kids. I'm joined today again by Ellie and Bunny. It's the Ellie and Bunny show again for us today. And I miss, I miss having you guys here. And actually, it's great to have a voice of a child in here with us. I can hear Raphael um, joining in, calling me on to preach it. So it's nice to have some interaction there. Um, if you are here, kids, I'm going to start by asking Ellie and Bunny. I would ask you, Ellie, where were you born? And Ellie would say, I was born in Elephant Town. Bunny, where were you born? And Bunny would say, I was born in Bunny Town. And if I asked you guys, if you were here with me, I would ask you, where were you born? Now, uh, my two, boy, two older boys were born in Denver, Colorado. Tristan, our youngest, was born in um, Durham, North Carolina. And I don't know if I asked you guys here, many of you would say, I was born in Iowa City. Or maybe some of you would say I was born in Cedar Rapids, or others of you would say Colorado, or Minnesota, or Arkansas, or Copenhagen, it's a special place, or Kentucky, or I don't know what other places, towns, states you would have mentioned that you were born in. Often the place that we were born in, kids, is a significant place for us. It's a place that shapes us and molds us into who we are. It defines a lot of characteristics and qualities about us. But in today's psalm, today's psalm teaches us that when we are born again as Christians, when we're born again in Jesus Christ, that we have a different hometown now, that we all share the same hometown, and that is the city of God. And that hometown is the one that shapes and molds us more than any other town that we were born in or have lived in. And so I hope that you remember that, kids, that if you have faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that ultimately the most important town that you are from is the city of God. And if you want to listen in and continue to hear what that's about, please do. Um, please continue to listen in. But I hope that you remember that you, your home ultimately is in the city of God as a Christian. Kids and adults alike, I wonder if you've ever been asked the question, and of course it's rhetorical, this question, where are you from? Where are you from? Is a very common question, and it is a common question in a college town because we have people from all over, and it's also a complicated question because where are you from? What is that question asking exactly? Is it where are you born? Is it where, where, are, where did you grow up? Is it where did you grow up that was you know, most formative for you as a person? Is it what ethnicity are you? Is it what country are you from? Is it, are you from here or are you from somewhere else? Is here Iowa or does it mean America? Is it asking, do you have another culture that shapes you more than any other? Do you have a language that you speak other than English? Where's your citizenship? Where are you from? can mean a lot of different things. And it's not always easy to know what someone is asking. When my wife is asked, where are you from? She normally answers Durham, North Carolina, because that was the most formative place for her. But actually, she was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So she could say, I'm from La Crosse, Wisconsin. But she was born there and lived there till she was five. But she really doesn't have very strong memories. It really was Durham, North Carolina. That was the formative years for her. Her hometown, she would say, where uh, it really shaped her life and not 
La Crosse, Wisconsin, because she, again, doesn't have many memories of that. For some people, the question, where are you from, can even become offensive. Perhaps um, they've spent all of their life growing up in America, and yet somehow, because of their appearance, people may assume they're not from America and ask, where are you from, meaning, what country are you from? And maybe internally, they're thinking, screaming, I'm from here, I've grown up here all of my life, or perhaps as nicely as possible, they try to answer, um, I'm from Texas or wherever it may be. When someone asks me the question, where are you from? I normally answer, I'm from Hong Kong because that's where I was born and that's where I grew up and spent my most formative years. But a lot of the times, the next comment after that is, oh, but your English is so good. Actually, there's also a different comment. So if I'm asked, where are you from when I'm in Hong Kong, then the answer I get is, oh, but your Chinese is so bad. And it's like, ah, dang it. So either answer for me is understandable, but at the same time, a bit uncomfortable in both cases. And so I have to explain that, yes, I'm from Hong Kong, but I'm not really like your normal Hong Kong person. I went to these international schools, like with a lot of British kids, a lot of white kids, and, and though I speak Cantonese, which is my native tongue, uh, I was educated in English all my life, and that's why my English is so good. <laughs> and, uh, and English is my better language as a result. And so I might say that. That's a very common answer I would give. Again, whether in English or Chinese, I might give that answer. And then, Generally in America, people might look at me and, and, and be, look a little bit confused. And so then I, I have to explain some more because maybe they don't know Hong Kong's history, which I don't necessarily expect them to. So I might explain, well, you know, Hong Kong was a British colony until 1997. Then it reverted back to con communist Chinese control. And uh, when I say that, particularly these days, it brings up a whole other conversation of like, oh, so what is it like now with the national security law? What is life in Hong Kong like? And then that might enter into a whole new conversation. And uh, they, may even, they may, may even go on to ask, so, so what is your citizenship then? Are you, are, you, are you a Hong Kong citizen, a Chinese citizen, a British citizen, an American citizen? What are you? And then usually I answer, well, have you seen this old movie from the 80s, Green Card? Well, that's what I did. You know, with Andy McDowell and Gerard Depardieu, I, 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 I met Amber and I was like, hey, I need a green card. Will you marry me? And she said, okay. And we found love. No, just kidding. That's not why I married her. But I did become a US citizen through marriage, and, uh, and I am a US citizen as a result. And, but as you can see, this question, at least for me, where are you from, is a very complicated question for me. I wonder for you, if you are asked, where are you from, um, what answer do you give? Is it, is it simple? Is it complicated? Is it something in between? In today's psalm, what we are taught, again, is that no matter where we are from, no matter where we were born, no matter where it was our most uh, formative place, whatever our earthly temporal answer is to the question, where are you from? For us as Christians, the spiritual eternal answer is, to where are you from is, I'm from Zion. That is the answer for all of us this psalm teaches us. In fact, I would dare you to start answering that question, where are you from, with the answer, I'm from Zion. See how people start reacting to you if you try that. You might have to disabuse them of the idea that you're in a cult, that, you know, that could be 
an interesting conversation starter. But I want to say this. I think the answer, I'm from Zion, can be very clarifying for us as Christians. Often, as Christians, we can have a fuzzy understanding of what our future in Christ looks like. What does eternity with Christ look like? As a result, because of our fuzzy understanding of this future vision that God gives us, our present actions can also become fuzzy. We might think, I just need to go to church and tithe regularly and read my Bible and don't sin too much, be nice, and that's it, right? That's what I'm supposed to do. You know, in the organizational world, we might call this mission drift. When as an organization, whether a business or a church, if you're unclear about your mission, whether because you've never stated it clearly up front or you've drifted from it because you began to misunderstand and forget your mission, then you begin to not be focused in what your organization is doing, focused in achieving that particular mission. So for us as Christians, uh, we might answer the question, what is your mission? We might say, oh, it's to glorify God, which of course is a great theological answer and is true. But if that's all we understand by our mission here on earth from God, then that could just be too broad to have any teeth to translate into specific actions. Or we might answer that question with, I'm here to save souls, which again is great biblical answer and true, but then it might be too specific to cover the rest of our life. What do we do with everything else in our life when we're not saving souls? How does that stuff fit in to the, our mission in life? It's hard to read my notes through this thing, I have to admit. Kind of struggling here. Like, what did I write? In today's psalm, we are given a very particular future vision for us as Christians. And I think whatever our personal or corporate mission is, that our vision may be more specific than what is laid out in this psalm, but it cannot be anything less than the vision given in this psalm. So let me give a little bit of context for this psalm. This psalm is what we call a Zion psalm. And it's connected to Psalm 84, which we went through two Sundays ago, in that it, it widens the scope of God's presence in this world. The Israelites would have imagined God's special presence to be in the temple of God. And for us as Christians, when we sing, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, we are not yearning to be in the temple of God in Jerusalem, right? We understand that we are directly asking for God to connect us into his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. We understand that we do have that direct access to the presence of God through Jesus' work on the cross. And so when we sing those words, we are directly connected to the special presence of God if we allow our hearts to do so. But it is also a longing for the next life as Christians. It's a longing for what God is going to do in this world to remake it. Psalm 87 what we're doing today is also connected to Psalm 86, which we looked at last week. In Psalm 86, and I really didn't get into it last week, there's this one verse, verse nine, that says, the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name. And that's really what we're looking at today. This Psalm, a Zion Psalm, broadens the scope of the presence of God, not just for Israel, but for all the nations. And the main point we're gonna see is this, and I hope it rings in your ears all week long, is you were born in Zion, so live for Zion. You were born in Zion, so live for Zion. 
So let's ask the most obvious question first. What is Zion? Zion is uh, a term that's used to describe Jerusalem, the, the temple of God, to describe the special presence of God for God's people. Uh, Mount Zion would be referred to because it was built on a mountain and it looked down upon uh, the area around it. Uh, it's funny, when, when I was preparing for this sermon, you know, and looking into this, glorious things of, of thee are spoken, which is a hymn, I knew that phrase from the hymn, and I thought, singing that hymn, apparently I was not paying attention to the words, I thought it was about singing glorious things of God are spoken. But in fact, the psalm is about saying glorious things of Zion are spoken. Now, of course, there's a connection there, right, because it's the city of God, but it's specifically referring to Zion, the city of God here. There are other Zion hymns, and I'll read just a little bit about some of the glorious things that are spoken of Zion by other psalms. Psalm 46, verses 4 through 5 says this, A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. And then in Psalm 48, another Zion, Zion hymn, it says this, How great is the Lord, how deserving of praise, in the city of our God, which sits on his holy mountain, it is high and magnificent. The whole earth rejoices to see it. Mount Zion, the holy mountain, is the city of the great king. What we see here in the central part of today's psalm, Psalm 87, verses 4 through 6, we are taught that, again, no matter where we are from originally, if we have faith in God, if we know him, if we acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, then we are considered born in Zion. In verses four and six, the phrase, this one was born there is repeated. And in verse five, even more emphatically, a point is made by the words, the one, this one and that one was born in her, in Zion. This is an even more intimate description of where someone is from, being born in Zion. Now, New Living Translation helps us a little bit with understanding the meaning by translating verses four and six, they have all become citizens of Jerusalem. And then the emphatic verse five is translated, everyone enjoys the rights of citizenship there. And so again, for all of us as Christians, through faith in Christ, we can legitimately say, I'm from Zion. That is my hometown. As Christians, the earthly Jerusalem really points to the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem, Zion. And it's even more clearly, clearly spelt out for us what that is and the hope that is contained in Zion. Jesus tells us that he goes ahead of us to prepare a place for us. Paul tells us that we are aliens and sojourners and pilgrims in this land that we are passing through. The author of Hebrews tells us we look forward to another country. The Apostle John that we have been diving into a lot this last spring tells us that there will be a new heaven and a new earth and that the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven and be established on earth forever. And just as a reminder, Revelation chapter 21 verses 3 through 7, what a very powerful description of this Zion, this future hope for us. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. 
Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Jesus himself and these other biblical authors make it clear. It is the lamb that was slain on the cross that gives us this hope that we can say, I'm from Zion. It is the resurrection of Christ from the dead, his ascension into heaven that reminds us that our spiritual home is not here, that it is in Zion. And it is for those who put their faith in Christ that we can all say, I'm from Zion. As I told you, I became a U.S. citizen uh, through marriage to my wife, but you may not know the process. It's lengthy. You hold a green card for five years, and after five years, as long as you've fulfilled the living in the U.S., a specific number of days during that five years, then you can move on to becoming a naturalized citizen, becoming a citizen of the U.S. And actually, I held off for a while. Uh, There was something about me that I think, like my father, held pride in being from Hong Kong and wasn't ready to give that up. And when I moved to Hong Kong, moved back to Hong Kong for ministry, fearing a little bit of doing ministry in China, I said, I think this may be time to become a U.S. citizen. I would like the protection of being a U.S. citizen as I go to do gospel ministry in Hong Kong, even though it's a bit different from China. I was still worried, thinking maybe I'll do mission trips in China. Again, having some protection. So it was very pragmatic for me. It, It wasn't I didn't think it would be anything. I went to, you know, my ceremony, President Obama, you know, there was a video. No, he wasn't there. It'd be great if he was there, but just a video from President Obama welcoming me, welcoming me and the others who were there to be, become a citizen of the United States of America. And as I was sitting through this ceremony where you vow, make vows um, as a U.S. citizen, I became very emotional and I was really surprised by how emotional I was. I was proud to become a U.S. citizen. I was proud to call you the U.S. my home, my country. And I really was not expecting to feel that way. I've been this homeless international kid all of my life, feeling like no one wants me in the sense of like, not really Britons, I can't go live in England. You know, I'm not really Chinese. I don't feel like I can relate to living in communist China. I'm this orphan. Hong Kong is like being orphaned. And I felt like I was being adopted by the US, that I was welcomed in, that I belonged somewhere finally. And it was emotional for me. And it, but it reminded me too of, of course, it's just a temporal sense, but it, it reminded me of how we all have this longing to belong. And for all of my life, yes, That longing was filled by Zion, my home. But this this emotion that I felt at this naturalization ceremony pointed me again to citizenship in America is great, but there's something even more important, more ultimate than that. And that is my citizenship in Zion, in heaven, with God, in the city of God. And I want you to take note in this psalm, who is welcomed in? Babylonians, who we know overran Israel and oppressed God's people. Philistines, who were constantly at war with Israel. 
the people of Egypt, Cush and Tyre, who constantly tempted Israel to abandon the one true God and worship false gods and idols. All of the enemies of God have been welcomed into Zion if they put their faith and trust in God. Welcomed, not as resident aliens, not as green card holders, not as illegal immigrants, but as born in Zion, natural citizens, not naturalized citizens of Zion. Not you, not you belong here now, rather you always belonged here. This is your home. So for all of us, all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ, that's what we have. We have our home in Zion. All of us who through union with God can embrace the heavenly father's words to Jesus at his baptism. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. To make Zion our home means to embrace these words as our own. For all of us, we were once outsiders and now are insiders. We were once excluded, but now included. And through faith in Christ, you were born in Zion. And that is the most defining thing about you. Those who are born again in Christ are born in Zion. For those who have faith in Christ, we are defined by that city of God not by any city in this world, not by any country that we were born in or lived in. We are most defined by the city of God, Zion. That is our home. Our home is in the Lord. We belong to the Lord. We are made to dwell in his presence. We hope one day for the future, perfect heavenly spiritual city, Zion, to come into this world. And this gospel message changes everything for us. And so I just want to go over three applications from this psalm of what it means that we believe that we were born in Zion, so live for Zion. What does it mean to live for Zion? Verses 1, 2, and 7 show us that if we are, if we are born in Zion, then we are to live in praise to Zion. Now again, to praise Zion is not just to praise a city, is to praise the God who is bringing in this city. It is to praise God for being the one who gives us a home in this city, that gives us a hope in this city. Verse one says, on the holy mountain stands the city founded by the Lord. He loves the city of Jerusalem more than any other city in Israel. We live to praise God for the hope that we have, that our future is in this place. Our future is not just a repetition of this broken life that we experience. To live for Zion is to live with a hope that one day, as we heard in Revelation, he will make all things new. So we live in praise to Zion. Secondly, if we were born in Zion, then we live out a Zion ethic. The theme in this psalm is a theme of the city. Words like city, Jerusalem, or Zion, or, or words referring to the city of God is said 10 times in these brief seven verses. And so we're pointed again to this heavenly city come down from heaven, heavenly Jerusalem come down to earth that we read in Revelation. We had to live out a Zion ethic. Again, what does this mean? If you imagine your future is floating around in heaven, singing along with the angels, then 
what does that mean for what you do in the present? Just sing a lot and learn how to play the harp? Put on wings every now and then to be like the angels? Like, is, th- is that what we are supposed to do to prepare for eternity with God? But if instead we see that our future vision is Zion, the city of God, then we see that, as God says throughout Scripture, he is building a new society. He is building a new city. And it is a place of justice. It is a place without evil. It is a place without mourning or tears or death. So how does that change the way we live in our earthly city? We must live out God's goodness here on earth. We must live out an ethic that, that reflects what this future Zion will be. We can't just say it doesn't matter. I'm just here to save souls. Yes, God wants us to proclaim the gospel and for people to receive the gospel message and put their faith in Christ. Yes, that must happen. But if we don't live out a Zion ethic, then people will say, I don't know if I want to believe in what you're saying. Your life doesn't match this hope that you have. If we are born in Zion, then we are to live out a Zion ethic. Lastly, if we're born in Zion, then we are to live to share about Zion. Quite simply, we're to live to share our faith. We, we, we must do that still. Yes, we must live out a Zion ethic, but in the end, people must hear the good news proclaimed as well. They must hear the good news of this future city Zion, of what it will be like. What will it be like to be in God's presence day in, day out? What will it be like to rejoice in the city where there is justice and equity and righteousness and no more tears and no more death? I talked with someone the last few weeks who, in the midst of the pandemic, was really losing hope, discouraged by the way um, leaders of the world were responding to this pandemic and just losing hope simply. And we, we, we began to just read scripture together and to talk about the hope that is in the gospel and even in a very short amount of time, he, he began to feel a greater sense of hope that the gospel brings hope in this world. You all know people as a result of either pandemics or protests are struggling to feel any hope. And they could be from all over, right? We are a city uh, where there's people from all over, different countries, different states, different ethnicities. And God says, share about the good news of Zion to them. Give them hope that life can be something more than what we experience in this world. And then that hope must come through faith in Jesus Christ. It must involve a humbling of ourselves. It must involve repentance of what we've done wrong, of how we've turned against God, turned away from God, and trusted in ourselves, in the things of this world, rather than God himself. If we are born in Zion, then we are to live to share about Zion. We are to live out verse 7. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Not saying, if you are a singer, if you are a dancer, you're going to proclaim this. He's saying, because of the joy we have in Christ, in God, 
We all will sing and dance and praise God. All my springs are in you. All of my life is in you. The water of God's life comes from you. If we don't cherish this gospel ourselves, how will we commend it to others? So let us be singers and dancers who cry out, all my springs are in you, to recognize that because of our faith in Christ, we are born in Zion. And so we live for Zion and we are to live out praise to Zion, live out a Zion ethic and share about this Zion to anyone who has ears to hear. You are born in Zion. Live for Zion. Let's pray.